0: What's up, everybody?
1: Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 211.
0: Look who's back.
1: I am back. Yay. And I'm leaving soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> back for one episode yes. and then you'll be gone for quite a while, I think.
1: Yep. Yep. Quite a while. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys for being cool and supportive of Josh just doing the episode by himself last week. I really wasn't feeling good the day of recording last week and I decided I just needed to take it easy. I'm feeling pretty good today, so I decided to join in for this episode. Very interesting case. Yes, I wanted to give my thoughts. I'm not going to be speaking quite as much as you guys are used to me speaking because, as you can hear, I'm running out of breath. <laughs> it's been really rough. Not a lot of
0: room in those lungs with uh, the baby coming up so high now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She hasn't dropped down yet they said. So she's up Her feet are like right there. Yeah, in fact, I can feel her feet like right on my right side of my ribs right now. It's crazy. I'm actually nine months pregnant now that once you guys see this, I'll be nine months pregnant tomorrow when we're recording. And yeah, she could come at any time. So my doctor wants me to really take it easy, try to keep my blood pressure's been a little elevated, not too bad. So we're trying to keep it low so I don't have to... Well, I probably will be induced, I don't know. Who really knows at this point. We're just taking it day by day, but
0: Yeah, it's coming up quick though. Yeah. We're very excited and I mean, just so you know that we are planning to take a couple weeks off of the show so that mm-hmm. I can also Yeah, um, paternity leave. Yeah, 3 weeks with with uh out an episode mm-hmm. in August. Mm-hmm. But there will be episodes through the end of July and we yeah. will be picking up at the end of August. Uh so well. there's going to be at least a couple episodes that are going to be Just myself and obviously janelle will be here as well yeah um but kendall will not be here yeah and even beyond that i guess you're going to take longer than three weeks so
1: yeah i am definitely um i'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like and again she really could come at any time Um, we could have a baby before the end of july so we will keep you guys updated if we do have to skip an episode in july because that might happen
0: Roger that. <laughs> I'm just here waiting <laughs> nope. and ready for whatever, so.
1: I'm really going to miss you people. Yeah. I kind of we'll sad. We'll all miss
0: you. Here. It's not it's not the same without kind of I know. Gear, I feel like I feel like I, you know, I did my best to to carry it, but it's you just not the same. You did pretty good. It's it's different because the show is so yeah. much more conversational than some of my other shows that i do where mm-hmm. you know it's a lot easier for me to kind of go solo with this one <laughs> you know it's hard to make conversation with yourself and obviously yeah. <laughs> um having janelle here will help and we'll be able to bounce stuff off each other yeah. but
1: yeah that that week janelle happened to be gone too so kind of just you you were alone Yep,
0: yeah, yeah i thought it still turned out good it was an interesting episode on on harp so
1: yeah it was that stuff's super interesting
0: but today we're going to be diving into a very interesting story slash case uh, about a woman named Amy Fisher, who is nicknamed the Long Island Lolita. Mm. Very interesting case.
1: It's an older case, and it's a bit of a soap opera.
0: Yes, definitely drama filled. Mm-hmm. It was it was one of those cases that just went wild in the media. Yeah, and I think the, the media really played a big role in sort of the outcomes of the case. And mm-hmm. there's some controversy with some of the punishments for for the crime that gets committed in this one so yeah yeah, it'll be interesting to hear our thoughts but also to get your thoughts on this one as well so that's what we're going to dive into here in just a moment but also i just want to remind everybody our summer collection for mile merch is out and just been blowing us away with the amount of support we've received yes with that so thank thank you you. all
1: so much yeah
0: it's been a lot of fun to bring merch back and Mm -hmm. you know we're really taking it seriously from here on out and you know we're already starting to work on some some new collections We even thought about maybe bringing some older items back that yes. were fan favorites in the past yep so if you if there's a fan favorite merch item from the past and could be pretty far back in the past that you want to mm-hmm. see us bring back yeah leave us a comment because uh, yeah we're kind of in the process of picking picking what those items are so mm-hmm. and then obviously coming this fall we'll have a whole new collection whole new designs and everything Mm -hmm. So, very exciting stuff. It is. But yeah, that's com, and we do ship pretty much everywhere. So, let's go ahead and just jump right into the episode though. We're going to start with talking about Amy Fisher and kind of going into her Mm -hmm. background a little bit because this is really what this story centers around is this woman um, named Amy Fisher and how she really not only screws up her own family but a whole other family as well.
1: So, Amy Fisher was born on August 21st, 1974 in Merrick, New York to her parents, Elliot Fisher and Roseanne Weiss. She was their only child. Both of her parents were from New York, actually. Her mother was from Long Island and her father was from Brooklyn. Her mother started working for her dad when she was 19 years old and they got married two years later. Roseanne was 21 and her father was 38. Roseanne was actually his third wife. So, their family lived in a peaceful neighborhood in the town of Merrick, which is a suburb of Long Island, and the Fishers seemed like pretty normal, middle-class people. And even though Amy was tough, she was also a shy girl and was known as a bit of a tomboy. She was pretty smart, too. So, Elliot and Roseanne liked to buy Amy a lot of nice things, like new clothes and cars, and overall, their family was pretty comfortable financially. But that didn't mean that Amy was necessarily a happy child, obviously. She felt really sad and lonely most of her childhood. She was close with her grandma and her aunt, but overall, Amy did have a pretty rough childhood. She said that her father abused her verbally and physically and that she was very afraid of him. Every time her parents fought, she hoped that they were getting a divorce.
0: And as a child, Amy was a victim of sexual abuse by a man close to the family. The abuse started when she was just three years old and lasted until she was six, and unfortunately, she was also raped by a workman in her house when she was 13 years old. For a while, Amy led more or less a normal life in high school. She had friends, she was planning on going to college, and she had dreams of becoming a fashion designer one day. Her neighbors remembered seeing her walking her Yorkie named Muffins every day, and to them, she just seemed like a normal, polite young girl. But Amy definitely had a wild side to her. She got into trouble at school a lot, cut classes with her boyfriend, and even forged her own report cards. She even got into a fist fight with an older girl that ended in Amy getting a broken nose and jaw. In February of 1991, Amy ran away from home. she got into a fight with her mother because she wanted to sleep over at a friend's house. While she was talking to her, Amy's dad grabbed the phone and warned her that he'd beat her if she came home. So Amy spent the next few days sleeping at friends' and family members' houses. She was terrified of coming home, Meanwhile, her father filed a missing persons report and he told the police that his daughter was totally uncontrollable and that she was unstable, violent, and extremely dangerous. Eventually though, Amy did come home and later that year she found out she was pregnant. Amy's aunt helped her get an abortion and the whole ordeal was definitely a lot for her and her boyfriend just couldn't understand what she was going through. The stress definitely distracted her and one day she wasn't paying attention while she was backing her car out of the garage And just like that, she accidentally lobbed off one of the side mirrors. Amy knew that she needed to have the car fixed quickly, so she took it into an auto body shop that her dad had taken her to around Halloween of the year before. That shop was complete auto body and Fender Incorporated in Baldwin, New York. Halloween was the first time Amy needed her car fixed, so her father helped her take it in. Amy didn't pay much attention on that trip. She sort of hung to the side while her dad talked with the mechanic. So now, a year later, she was going to see if they could fix the car again. And so in May of 1991, Amy drove her Daytona to complete Autobody, and that's where she formally met the shop owner for the first time, a man named Joey Buttafuoco. And that's when Amy's life changed forever. But before we get into that, we got to take a look at who this Joey guy is and his family, his wife, Mary Jo, and what the Buttafucos were all about.
1: So Mary Joe Connery was the oldest of five girls in a Catholic family from Massapequa, New York, which is a suburb of Long Island. She met Joseph, or Joey, but go, in 1971. And they were actually both sophomores in high school taking summer classes when they met. Joey was a Massapequa native, and everyone knew him as sort of a rascally, charming, funny guy. But Joey's mom had passed away when he was 11, and the grief definitely stayed with him throughout his teen years, He kind of became known as a troublemaker as time went on, but a year after he and Mary Jo first met, they started dating and they became high school sweethearts. And Mary Jo was happy as can be when dating him. He was well liked, popular, and got along perfectly with her family. So things were going really well. The Buttafuccos were a well known family in Massapequa. They loved Mary Jo and they really opened their arms to her. And her more responsible personality definitely balanced out Joey's life of the party attitude. In 1977, the two of them got married, and they bought a house in Baldwin right near Joey's family's auto body shop. After that, they spent the next two years living the life as a young married couple, and they worked during the day and then partied at the clubs at night. But those more carefree days ended when Mary Jo got pregnant. They were planning on having children, but her pregnancy happened a bit sooner than they expected. And it ended up definitely being difficult for Mary Jo. She felt like the more responsible she got, the more Joey started acting out. He kept going out and partying while his wife was stuck at home, sick in bed. Eventually, Mary Jo gave birth to their first son, Paul, and she wanted nothing more than to be a perfect wife and mother. But Joey was absent a lot. While she was at home with the baby, Joey was either at work or or partying. And by that point, he had developed a pretty bad cocaine habit. Sometimes he would leave for work and wouldn't come back until the next morning. And his excuse was always that he fell asleep working on a car. Other times he would say that he was just going to hit the auto body shop for an hour and then he wouldn't come home for like two days. And Joey was a very convincing liar. He had quick answers to all of Mary Joe's questions and they sounded so sincere. She really wanted to believe him. And it seemed impossible to leave him and the family that she had worked so hard for. So she'd stay. And every time she'd threaten to divorce him, Joey would have a way of manipulating her right back into his arms. And once she got pregnant again, the idea of a divorce sounded even more impossible to her. Mary Jo gave birth to their daughter, Jessica, in 1983.
0: Mary Jo really wanted to keep up the appearance of being a perfect housewife and really just having that perfect family. But during all this, Joey's cocaine binges just got worse, and she started to get crippling panic attacks, but she blamed her anxiety on herself. She felt like she was the one who was failing as a mother, and just the shame overall was too much to confront. But eventually Mary Jo started taking medication and seeing a therapist, which definitely helped, but it didn't change the fact that her husband was still out of control. She thought that if they moved back to Massapequa, maybe things would change. Joey would be farther away from the auto shop, and his bad influence friends. So they bought a house together on one Adam Road West in Massapequa on the suburb of Long Island, New York. And luckily Joey had somehow found a buyer for the house. The buyer was apparently a single entrepreneur who wanted to buy the house in cash. They wouldn't have to pay any real estate agent fees and Mary Jo met the guy, so it seemed like a done deal. On moving day, they had an appointment with their lawyer to close on the house that morning. All their things were packed up in boxes ready to go. But that's when Joey broke the insane news to Mary. He told her that there was no buyer and there was no money. Joey owed his cocaine dealer so much money that he gave him the deed to their house to get out of debt. Can you nice. imagine hearing that type of news?
1: No, I would be so angry. I would file for a divorce immediately. Crazy. It's insane.
0: So they're not going to get any, any money from their old house. That's but, just horrible. Yeah. But then Joey's father came to the rescue and he fronted them $50,000 for the down payment on the new house. In exchange, Joey lost all of his shares of the family auto body shop. But that didn't stop the binges. Finally, Mary Jo put her foot down and she made all the arrangements and had Joey checked into a rehab program. And thankfully, it worked. Joey completed the program and never touched cocaine again. It was a huge weight off of Mary Joe's shoulders and she felt like that she had her husband back again. And for the next few years, the two of them had sort of a second honeymoon phase together. But that was short-lived when Amy Fisher came into the picture. And things just kinda go downhill from here. And we'll get more into this affair with Amy Fisher right after our first ad break. Imagine having one extra day every week, more time to cook, work on that novel, or just binge some good reality TV. I would love some time to get outside and go to the mountains, go off-roading, maybe play some video games. And now it's all possible with ClickUp, the productivity platform that'll save you one day a week on work, guaranteed. ClickUp began with a premise that productivity was broken. There were too many tools to keep track of, too many things in entirely separate ecosystems, so there had to be a more productive way to get through the daily hustle. ClickUp is the one tool to house all your tasks, projects, docs, goals, spreadsheets, and more. ClickUp is built for teams from 1 to 1,000 and more. It's packed with features and customization options that no other productivity tool has, so you can work the way you work best, whether in project management, engineering, sales, marketing, or HR. ClickUp has easy-to-use solutions that create a more efficient work environment. Join the more than 800,000 highly productive teams using ClickUp today. Use code MILEHIRE to get 15% off ClickUp's massive unlimited plan for a year meaning you can start reclaiming your time for under $5 a month. Sign up today at ClickUp.com and use code MILEHIRE. Hurry though, this offer ends soon.
1: Did you know that one out of six couples struggle with infertility? Seriously, it's a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. But we need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. And that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Then you just mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve, which is how many eggs you have compared to other women your age, and other important fertility factors. And the results go deep into what every hormone means. Also, you can download the results and review them with your doctor for next steps. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you that same information at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have HSA or FSA, you can put those dollars toward Modern Fertility. So if you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound info about your body can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash mile That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands that it could cost at the doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash mile higher. That's modernfertility.com slash mile
0: As a Mile Higher listener, you know the world can sometimes be a scary place. But no matter what happens out there, home should be the safest place there is for you and your family. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is advanced whole home security that puts you, your home and your family safety first. Simply Safe is extremely easy to set up. You don't need any professional installation. It's literally just take out the sensors, the cameras, and you just plug them in and sync them up with the app. It's that simple. It only takes an hour or less. But what I love most about Simply Safe is that it is configurable for all different types of homes, apartments, all different sizes. It works for every home out there. Safe offers comprehensive protection not only against intruders and burglary, but against expensive home hazards from flooding to fires. With 24-7 professional monitoring, SimpliSafe's agents take action the moment a threat is detected, dispatching police or first responders in an emergency even if you're not home. Safe uses proprietary video verification technology so that monitoring agents can visually confirm the threat in order to get higher priority 911 dispatch. Monitoring plans are affordably priced at a dollar a day, with no long-term contract or hidden fees because feeling safe at home shouldn't break the bank it's literally cheaper than having a cup of coffee every day so what are you doing customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com/milehire go today and claim a free indoor security camera which are awesome plus 20% off with interactive monitoring go to simplysafe.com/milehire so now we're back in May of 1991 when Amy brought her car back to complete Autobody for repairs, her side mirror was gone and she didn't want her dad to know that she caused the damage. So Joey came up with a plan. She'd come back the next day and they'd tell her dad someone sideswiped the car. So Amy brought her dad in and he bought the story. According to Amy, her dad thought Joey was charming, but he thought he could get the mirror fixed for a cheaper price. They took the car to another mechanic who didn't fix it properly, so they had to take the car back to Joey's shop after all. And Amy claims this sort of back and forth went on for a while because Joey was always delaying repairs. At the same time, her dad was a perfectionist who kept wanting her to bring the car back to fix minor details. But according to Joey, in a lot of TV movies, Amy kept intentionally damaging her car so that she could go back to the auto body shop to see Joey. Regardless, Amy was in the shop a lot early that summer, and there was definitely some flirting going on between her and Joey. But nothing happened between them until July 2nd, nineteen. 91.
1: That day, Amy had brought her car into the shop to have a sound system installed. And the installation was going to take a few hours, so she'd have to leave her car there in the meantime. And both of her parents were off at work, so that meant that she was going to need a ride home. So Joey actually called up her father, Elliot, to see if he could give her a ride home. And he said yes. So Amy hopped into the car, and Joey drove her home. And once he gets there, he asks Amy for a house tour. Hmm, what do you think about that?
0: Uh seems very inappropriate.
1: Yeah, very inappropriate indeed. But Amy agreed. And of course, Joey came onto to her when she showed him her bedroom. And that's actually when they slept together for the first time. And at that point, she fell in love with him. She thought that Joey was now her boyfriend. I think it's so strange that he took the step to call her dad and ask if he can give her a ride home. But then does that ex- as soon as they get to the house.
2: Mm, I feel like he did that to trick the dad to be like, oh, I'm a good dude. Right. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Ref- to, like, earn trust so that they're uh-huh. not like, what the fuck's going on? And then just yeah. shit on it immediately.
1: Gotcha. So that same day, Elliot took Amy back to grab her car, and Joey told Amy to meet him that night at the Freeport Motor Inn and Boatel. I've never heard of a tell Sounds fun. Yeah, it does sound kind of fun. <laughs> so after Amy told her parents that she was going out with friends they had their first of at least 13 motel trips. Again, at the time, Amy was only 16 years old people, and their affair continued on for the next 18 months, and they would hook up at motels, Joey's auto shop, and Amy's house. Here's a clip of Amy and Oprah discussing the affair.
3: It was afternoon, and Joey drove me home. It was the middle of the day, and my parents were working. Upstairs in my bedroom, before I knew it, he threw me on the bed and began telling me how much he loved me. Don't worry, he said. I had a vasectomy, he said to me. But you say in the book that you weren't even sure what a vasectomy was.
4: I wasn't. I, I didn't have teenage boys telling me I had a vasectomy.
3: So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had sex, and he kept saying all these really sweet things to me. And your thinking was, okay, Joey, we had sex. Now you're my boyfriend. I- and so then after that encounter, did, did you continue to see him? Was that, was that, that was it, right? You saw him then every day, every...
4: At first I did, and, you know, it was at least twice a week for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I want to make clear, too, that Joey, he, he knew me casually for about a year. He knew the relationship I had with my father. You know, my father would yell at me in front of people. He mm-hmm. knew I was vulnerable. And I think that he prayed... You you were going what? Vu- vulnerable. Vulnerable, okay. And I think he preyed upon my vulnerabilities.
3: You know what's so interesting about sexual predators, to, to, to make a point about what you're just saying? Everybody who has ever been a sexual predator and all the millions of ones who are, it's a calculated move. It's very calculated. They see who is the most vulnerable, and they see how far they can go, and they work at pushing it. So I can guarantee you that between all the times that he saw you and saw what your father, how your father treated you and, you know, had decided that you were a pretty young thing, and whatever he said to you in the car or whatever he was saying to you to be so nice, that was all a part of the calculation and the manipulation.
0: What do you think? you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I do. It's all calculated.
0: yeah, and I mean, especially when you look at Joey's behavior from his past mm-hmm. and you kind of put it all together, I think, yeah, it's definitely not beyond the the realm of possibility that he was you know calculating every move with her.
1: Yeah. and of course, he tells her he loves her. And he starts treating her by buying her a bunch of things, taking her on fancy dinners, taking her on trips on his racing boat, which of course was named Double Trouble.
2: This is what we call love bombing, people. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's super easy to do when Mm -hmm. you're a lot older than the person you're doing it to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Amy turned 17 on August 21st, 1991. And only about a month after her 17th birthday, Amy told Joey that she needed money. And his suggestion was for her to start working as an escort for an escort agency. So on his advice, she started working as a prostitute and had sex with clients for money. According to Amy, Joey pushed her to become an escort because he got off on hearing about her encounters with other men. He also allegedly convinced her to cut off her relationship with her aunt, who was really close to her and sort of like uh, somebody that she confided in. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: That is also classic manipulation. Yep. Yep. Like, don't talk to other people that you Mm -hmm. love. You should only be with me.
0: Mm -hmm. Come
1: to me for everything.
0: During November of 1991, Amy asked Joey to leave his wife, but Joey flat out refused. She was heartbroken and she decided to stop seeing him. But obviously this was very painful uh, decision for her to make. All that pain became too much to bear and she tried to take her own life soon after they broke up. And it's around this time that a plan started forming. At first, according to Amy, Joey would talk about how much he hated his wife and even told Amy that he wanted Mary Joe dead. He'd make comments about Mary Joe having an accident or being out of the picture. Mm. And one day, one of her older friends had caught her boyfriend cheating. She made an offhand remark to Amy about how she wished she could just kill the girl he was cheating with.
1: And that may have been how the plan to shoot Mary Joe was born. At first... Amy allegedly tried paying two classmates $400 and some sexual favors to shoot Mary Jo. And it looks like those plans didn't work out if they even happened at all. But in January of 1992, Amy's dad brought the car back for some more work. And that gave Joey the chance to, you know, win her over or manipulate her really. But by the next month, there was another man in the picture. Amy had joined a gym class called Future Physique early that February. Less than a week later, she started sleeping with another creep, this gym's 30-year-old owner named Paul Makeley. At the time, she was seeing three clients pretty regularly as an escort. She'd cut out the escort agency as a middleman and just started seeing the clients directly. And allegedly, Joey was trying to break up her relationship with Amy's new man, Paul. And Amy wanted to get back at Joey by telling his wife about the affair. And Amy was still set on getting Mary Jo out of the picture. And by that point, she was going to take matters into her own hands. She was able to make a plan with a 21-year-old named Peter Guagenti. Amy was going to pay Peter to get her a gun and act as her getaway driver. They even stole license plates to put on Peter's car so that they wouldn't get caught.
0: So they thought this out fairly thoroughly.
1: Yeah, somewhat.
0: I mean, for a 17-year-old and a 21-year-old, I mean, to even think to get... Uh, stolen license plates put on the car was
1: Mm -hmm. a step above the rest yeah.
0: yeah exactly exactly so by May of 1992 Amy was 17 years old and a senior at John F. Kennedy High School in Belmore, New York but by now she was living a life that looked a lot different from the rest of her peers and it was about to get even more insane on May 19th 1992 Amy went to school like she usually did but she didn't stay there for very long she went to the school nurse and complained that she had cramps and the nurse wrote her a note to go home and from there she was off. Once she got back home, Amy saw Peter already waiting in front of her house and the duo got right to work. They taped the decoy plates onto his car and then it was time to head to the Butafuco's house. The day had finally come. Around 11.30 a.m. that morning, Mary Jo was painting inside the house when she suddenly heard a knock at her door. When she went to answer it, she was surprised to find a teenage girl standing on her doorstep. She didn't know it yet, but that teenage girl was Amy Fisher. Amy asked, are you Mrs. Buttafuoco? And she said yes. Amy asked if she could talk to her for a minute, and Mary Jo said sure. She opened her screen door and stepped out onto the stoop. Mary Jo could see a young man in a parked car right outside of her house, and she figured that he and the girl were just some teenagers wanting Joey to do an estimate on their car. Amy told Mary Joe that her little sister was having an affair with Joey. Mary Joe couldn't understand what this girl was talking about, and she asked how old she was. And Amy replied, 19. And she said that her little sister was 14. Mary Jo thought the whole thing was really strange. To her, this girl looked like she was 10 years old. She asked her what her name was and where she was from. And Amy told Mary Jo that her name was Anne Marie and that she was from Bar Harbor. To Mary Jo, she sounded really nervous and it seemed like something was up. She told this Anne Marie that she was having a hard time believing her story at all. Amy couldn't keep her fake address straight either. By this point, Amy was starting to get angry. She kept asking Mary Jo if she was upset by what she was telling her, and she was shocked by the way Mary Jo didn't believe a word she said. So she gave Mary Jo a T-shirt with the name of Joey's auto body shop as proof of the affair. Amy explained that she'd found it in her sister's bed after she and Joey had slept together. To her, the shirt would finally be the evidence she needed in order to convince Mary Jo that her story was real. But even with the T-shirt, Mary Jo still wasn't buying Amy's story. She told her that she was gonna give Joey a call and tell him that she stopped by. And it was at that point that Amy became absolutely enraged. Mary Jo said, thanks for coming by, turned her head and opened the screen door. But by then it was too late because Amy pulled out a 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun and shot Mary Jo in the head. Then after seeing what she'd done, Amy turned around and ran back to the getaway car and she quickly hopped in and her and Peter sped away. She almost couldn't believe what she had just done.
4: I felt an explosion on the side of my head. I never saw the gun. I remember the force pulled me back. I remember hitting the ground, but it didn't hurt. And I tried to roll over and I I couldn't move. And then it just, then I went out. That was the end.
0: That was the last thing I remember. So, according to Amy, she actually shot Mary Jo by accident. She only meant to hit her with the gun. But when she went to hit her a second time, the gun apparently accidentally went off. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Now this probably isn't true for a number of obvious reasons. And Mary Jo said that Amy didn't hit her in the head before she shot her, as well as the angle of the gunshot wound doesn't match up with Amy's version of events. But after they took off, Peter dumped the gun and Amy's bloody clothes in a sewer near her house. From there, he dropped Amy back off at her place and she went about the rest of her day as if nothing happened. Meanwhile, Mary Jo was laying on her front porch, unconscious and covered in blood. Luckily one of her neighbors found her there and called the police and the paramedics rushed her to the hospital. The bullet had nicked Mary Jo's corroded artery and shattered her jawbone and she lost half the blood in her body and the doctors gave her about a 50-50 shot of survival. They thought that Mary Jo would die from her injuries but luckily they were able to save her. They weren't able to get the bullet out though so they had to leave it sitting there near her spine. Mary Jo was barely conscious and she had a breathing tube in her trachea but she was able to write down Amy's description for the police. While she was in and out of consciousness, she described the girl's appearance and told the police the name and address the teen girl gave her. When the police found out about the t-shirt, they immediately turned to Joey for answers. Joey said that he was giving out a new batch of shirts to promote the shop, but he'd only given out one of them to Mr. Fisher's daughter. Joey said that Amy had given her picture to one of the auto shop employees who had a crush on her. In reality, it was actually Amy giving a photo of herself to Joey. He handed that photo over to the police, and when the police showed that photo to Mary Joe, She quickly identified the woman in the picture as her shooter. Joey had actually given up Amy's identity. Two days after the shooting on May 21st, Joey had paged her, and Amy responded immediately. Joey asked her where she was, and Amy responded that she was at home. Amy then left her house and started driving down her block, and that's when police stopped her and quickly arrested her. Amy was arrested and charged with attempted murder and the cops were able to arrest her after Joey helped them set her up. Police questioned her for over 12 hours without a parent or an attorney present. Her parents didn't even know where she was. They thought she'd run away since she had not come home that night. And the police hadn't even bothered to tell her parents that they had arrested their teenage daughter. I'm pretty sure that's a violation of your rights. Yeah. That's to be questioned, you know, not even given an option to have an attorney present when you're being questioned. And then, to not even tell a minor's parents that you have them in your custody?
1: Yeah, That's I think definitely that
0: is it. Seems like some uh, bad police work there. We're going to get further down the road here in just a minute. The story gets even crazier with the trial and the outcome of this case. But before we do, we're going to take our last break. And we'll be right back.
1: When was the last time that you called up your doctor to make an appointment and they had availability the same day or even the same week? Probably Never. Imagine a world where you don't need to make a trip to the doctor or wait in line at the pharmacy for your birth control needs. Favor makes taking care of your reproductive health easy and painless. The service that you know and love as the Pill Club is now Favor. Favor provides digital care, prescriptions, and products for your well-being. Favor combines medical and pharmacy experience with an advanced telehealth platform. And their licensed medical team puts your health first with access to affordable birth control, skin care, menstrual care, sexual wellness products, and more. With over 4,000 five star reviews, Favor carries over 120 FDA approved brands and ships to all 50 states. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, prices start as low as $6.99 per pack without insurance. Favor delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging along with fun self care extras. And what's great is their licensed medical team is just a text away to provide you with the care that you deserve. So sign up for birth control in just five minutes. Skip the office visit and waiting in line at the pharmacy and get treated right. Right now, when you go to heyfavor.com slash mile Favor is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every Mile Higher podcast listener who becomes a patient. Your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. That's dot com slash milehigher to get your first birth control care package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, heyfavor.com slash milehigher, and you must use that link to make a donation.
0: I always find myself running out of time to do the things that need to get done, like grocery shopping or figuring out what meals I'm going to have during the week so that I don't have to pay for expensive takeout every night. Well, HelloFresh has changed the game for me and my family. It has allowed me to get all of my meals pre-scheduled a month in advance, which I absolutely love. I get to choose from over 55 plus weekly options, and they all feature pre-portioned high quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. HelloFresh delivers fresh quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week, so you can savor summer flavors right from home. I love HelloFresh because it's 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant, and it's even cheaper than grocery shopping. That's money back in your pocket and time back in your day. No need to go roam around the grocery store for an hour and then come home, unpack all the groceries, put them away, and then whenever I cook with those groceries, I tend to make way too much food, which ends up just getting thrown out, so you eliminate the food waste as well with HelloFresh. HelloFresh have foolproof, step-by-step recipes, meaning a joyful cooking experience in a stress-free summer, plus HelloFresh cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Select meals from the Taste of Summer series that are sure to become everyone's new favorites like the Old Bay Shrimp and Sausage Boil, mmm. And the family-style grill steak lettuce wraps. Or bust out the grill on a nice warm evening and make a dinner from HelloFresh's Cookout collection, which is my favorite, with recipes like Melty Monterey Jack Burgers. Oh, it sounds so good. So if you haven't tried HelloFresh yet, um, I don't know what you're doing, you gotta try it because it is absolutely amazing. All the produce they give you is so fresh Honestly, better than a lot of the produce I find at the grocery stores. Uh, their meats are top quality. I just have no complaints with HelloFresh. So go to hellofreshcom malhar 16 and use code malhar16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Again, go to hellofreshcom malhar 16 and use code malhar16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and get three free gifts. It's no wonder that HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit.
1: So once the news of this case and the whole scandal behind it broke it really took off in the press as you can imagine everyone was really into every detail of this one i mean it's a teenage girl from a nice suburb who is secretly a prostitute having an affair with an older man and an attempted murder on his wife so of course the media was all over this story and it's really interesting to look at how the media was referring to amy and the way they were able to talk about her you know a young woman at this time major news network anchors were actually calling her a teen hooker or a seductive teenager as if that's completely normal to say here's an example
4: and so the accused teen hooker charged with shooting a massapequa housewife out of so jealousy
0: casual enough. yeah he is fact then
4: her attorney says she has an elderly insurance company president to thank for writing the two million dollars bond simply because he believed she was unfairly behind bars no one from the ABBA Escort Service was available to comment on the allegations that Amy Fisher worked here. But the Nassau Police Department says it has no evidence that Amy Fisher or Joseph. But I haven't had any uh, information uh, from any reliable sources that he was involved in any escorts agencies on Long Island.
1: Okay. So the show A Current Affair even aired a video that allegedly showed Amy having sex with a client. Her face was plastered all over magazines, newspapers, and T V shows. And the media circus was really only just beginning at that point.
0: Honestly, it's just sick to think like how the media was spinning this. Like Mm -hmm. this is and not even thinking for a moment that this girl had had other reasons for why Mm -hmm. she was in the situation that she was in.
1: Yeah, just no responsibility from anyone else. No, and
0: just going with what's out there about her and just continuing to spread it
1: even though it was Joey who pushed her into everything that she was doing. So two weeks after she was arrested, Amy pled not guilty to attempted murder. Bail was set at $2 million. That's insane. Yeah. And she was actually able to post bail after she sold the movie and book rights to her story.
2: I feel like they purposely put that that high because knowing that she'd be desperate and then that's Mm -hmm. one way to get those rights. And then now they can make a bunch of money off of her.
1: I guess that's possible. Yeah, I, I mean, know. the judge and the media are like, yeah. like the same thing. But yeah, I
2: don't know. I, yeah, that's true. But still, mm-hmm. it just seems
1: like put her in a more desperate I mean, situation. I, yeah, exactly. Why did, was it so high though? Right, I mean, right. That's
0: really high. Yeah. For I mean, I get this was attempted murder, but
1: yeah, I mean, it's definitely.
0: But she's also serious, a but, minor. Yeah. And they're treating her like she is, you know,
1: a huge risk calculated cold killer.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And the prosecutor actually told reporters that quote, to call her a 17 year old girl who lives at home and goes to high school is as accurate as calling John Gotti a businessman who lives in New York. But Amy's defense argued that she really was just a teenager who was in over her head with an older man who took advantage of her. And they said that it was Joey's idea to kill Mary Jo, and he pressured Amy into carrying out the shooting.
4: What
3: role do you think Botafuco played in leading Amy Fisher into being a prostitute
2: mr buttafuoco leads amy fisher into everything
3: and that's why she's in this state right now because of buttafuoco and not her own actions Uh, that's right yes sir that's right why is that right because it'll come out and you'll see why Did mr
4: Botafuco pull the trigger
3: did he supply the gun
1: (laughs) that was awkward and of course joey was out denying that he ever had a relationship with amy but The police's investigation would prove otherwise. They found 13 motel receipts signed by Joey himself. And the most incriminating receipt that they found was from July 2nd, 1992, which was the first day that he had sex with Amy. All of those receipts matched up exactly with the times and dates that Amy had given the investigators.
0: I don't know how you explain away 13 motel receipts.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice try, dude.
0: Yeah. And especially if your wife wasn't with you. Yeah. So... What are you just going to the motel by yourself to spend some alone time? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Not only that, but one motel employee confirmed that he checked Joey in at least 8 or 9 times, and the FBI got handwriting experts to confirm that the signatures on those receipts belonged to Joey. But still, Mary Joe believed him when he said that he never slept with Amy. She stood by his side throughout the whole ordeal and professed his innocence. The public absolutely ridiculed her for that move. Here's a clip of Joey and Mary Jo speaking out against Amy publicly.
4: Here, The Buda celebrated the sentencing with a kiss and a news conference Ugh. and a vehement denial of any affair.
3: I know she's a liar. She knows she's a liar. And now the public knows that she's a liar. The DA didn't even believe her. She's not credible. What do you it, say to her? What do you want to say to her? Words cannot express what I have to say to her.
4: I'm not a stupid woman. I feel like I'm an intelligent woman that knows what's going on in my own life. I'm 37 years old. Um, I just know. I know what I live with. Everything that Eric Nyberg came up with is crap.
1: She's very confident. It's so strange. I just can't imagine.
0: Yeah, especially based on his past. Like, the guy's been lying to you for a long time about his cocaine. Why
1: else would this young girl come to your house and shoot you?
0: Yeah. I mean they're really trying to just convince everybody that Amy's just like batshit crazy yeah, and just out of her mind this. and is just obsessed with this middle aged man yeah. who, let's be honest. That runs an auto body shop. But, not okay. not a not a hunk by any means. Yeah. So it's like something's not adding up here. There's clearly something else going on and it's just crazy yeah. that she's just siding with him. Yep. I mean I guess for the sake of your family and your marriage, you don't want I to guess. accept those things. I don't know. I just feel things, bad but. for her
1: that she is really, you know, at that point, after what an ordeal she's been through. And to get up there and be defending him, it's just so wrong.
0: I mean, it's clear that Joey's a pretty charming guy as far as good with his words and just has Manipulative. figured out, yeah, figured out yeah. how to manipulate his wife to the mm-hmm. point where she believes anything. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, while all this is happening, Amy was actually sleeping with her lawyer, Eric Nyberg, while she was out on bail. He'd send her poems, love letters, and notes, which would come back to bite him in the ass later. Here's a clip of some just bizarre behavior in court
3: very odd to me that all this financial information was Amy's jammed down her head on shoulder the there, like snuggling yesterday afternoon but them. no mention at all was made about a production company i assume that he understood that he read don't you think the court should have been informed of it i love their act. you don't think so
0: yeah definitely uh kind of a bizarre thing mm-hmm. to see with your lawyer yeah. uh, snuggling very close
1: it reminds me of um Uh, What's his last name? Casey Anthony. Oh,
0: uh, Jose Baez. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Remember their kind of interactions in Mm, court? Well, there's rumors
0: about that too out there. Oh,
1: those are like confirmed now. Yeah. But back then it was rumors. Yeah.
0: Sadly, I think that happens a lot. Oh, yeah. It does. With with lawyers and female clients. It does. Where they Mm -hmm. exchange other things (laughs) for services. Yeah. (laughs) But eventually Amy took a plea deal. That way they would avoid a trial and possibly a longer sentence. On September 23rd, 1992, Amy pled guilty to first degree assault. By the time Amy pled guilty, she was 18 years old.
4: I proceeded to talk to Mrs. Butterfuco for approximately 10 to 15 minutes, at which time she turned around to walk away. I hit her on the back of the head. I went to hit her again, and the gun went off. I, was... I guess. Obviously, I, I shot it.
2: Amy Fisher was emotionless. Almost guess, matter- uh, uh, It's
0: yeah. hard to believe that mm, no. I meant to just, like, hit her with the gun, <laughs> yeah. but my finger was on the trigger.
1: And it looks yeah. like as she's saying those things, she's, she's like, like, uh, trying to go over it yeah. in her head like, what did they tell me exactly to say? i like, got to make sure I get this right.
0: Right. She's trying to say that it was yeah. accidental, but clearly it was. She's like, we yeah. rehearsed this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I swung it with my finger- happened to be on the trigger <laughs> when I hit her in the head and it yeah. just went boom, no. I mean, the base <laughs> on the wound, it just makes no, 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 that doesn't make any sense at all. Nope. But two days later, a tape leaked to the tabloid news show, Hard Copy, and on the tape was a video of Amy visiting a gym the day before her sentencing. She was talking to the gym's owner, Paul Makeley, who she'd been sleeping with. Paul was trying to take advantage of the situation and cash in on the media attention. He actually secretly rigged up a camera in his gym to catch Amy saying something incriminating or just something that made her look bad. On the tape, Amy was heard naming all the things she wanted to do before going to prison, like getting drunk, water skiing, and going to the Hamptons. She also talked about getting married to Paul so they could have conjugal visits. But probably the most famous quote from the tape was Amy saying this, I want my name in the press, why? Because I can make a lot of money. I figure if I'm going through all this pain and suffering, I'm getting a Ferrari
2: (laughs) sounds like um what's her name Anna Delvey
0: oh yeah like
2: I'm getting vibes of her like if I'm going might as well yeah make Mm -hmm. most of it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but this is a very bad thing to have come out publicly uh, especially with her upcoming sentencing and the fact that Paul had set her up was a hard truth to grapple with at one point Amy attempted suicide and she was sent to be treated in a mental health facility for a few months then on December 2nd the day of the sentencing hearing came and Mary Jo was finally able to address Amy in court. She was enraged by the videotape of Amy bragging about making money off of the incident, off of her attempted murder. And here's a clip of Mary Jo and what she said.
4: To this day, she does not understand the harm she has caused. The tape shows her joking about having sex in jail. She talks about making money as a result of what she did to me. She seeks a red Ferrari as her reward for being in the public limelight and even brags that all she will have to do is to serve two years, nine months, and one week before she comes out on the street.
0: I I get that anger. Yeah. Like, and it's just, I mean, this lends to a larger issue, which we can discuss at the end of, like, media Mm -hmm. blowing up cases and making it into, like, a soap opera. But Mary Jo testified that she had facial paralysis on one side She lost hearing in her right ear and had vision problems, and she was in constant pain because she had a bullet lodged near her spine. She said that if there was any unnatural movement from the bullet, she could become paralyzed or she could even die. Here's some more footage of Mary Jo testifying in court.
4: My two beautiful children are having a difficult time leaving me alone. They are afraid I might not be there when they get home from school. They have been severely traumatized by this event. And this, to me, is the greatest tragedy of all. All this damage Honestly, by someone who still shows absolutely no uh, remorse Kate's for gorgeous. her Fight The
1: final what chapter. Yeah, I know. After being shot. Yeah. 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 That's intense. Yeah, Amy looks like she doesn't give a damn about what she's mm-hmm. saying. She's like such an attitude.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's, she's 18 at this point. Yeah. So I know. Maturity levels. at a a low point there.
1: Yeah, but I feel like most 18-year-olds are capable of having empathy for someone that they shot. That's
0: a good point. True. I don't know. Yeah, definitely seems to be a lack of care there. Yeah, clearly. Amy told the court that she wished that she could take back what she did. She apologized for everything that happened, but she also squarely placed the blame on Joey. Here's Amy talking to the court.
4: I put Mrs. Butterfugo and her children through so much pain. And for that, I'm deeply sorry. If I could take her pain away, if I could change everything, I would. If I could put my hand over her face and make it go away, I would. Over the last months, I've learned a lot. I've learned that I can't hide from the truth, not about myself or anybody else. Your Honor, the truth is, I did something that was so awful, and I wish I could take it back. It's also the truth. I had an affair with a married man. And it's also the truth that Joey knew of my intentions towards his wife, and he encouraged me. These things, Your Honor, they are all true. They are facts.
0: To me, that seems like her lawyer wrote that up for her, and she just, like, memorized it.
4: Yeah, again,
1: I did get the kind of rehearsed vibes. It's hard to say, because, you know, in media, she's saying things like, I want a Ferrari out of all this. Yeah but maybe she did end up feeling more sympathy for her throughout the trial
0: well this apology did not work with the judge the judge had no sympathy for amy and he made sure to let the court know that he sentenced her to five to 15 years in prison here's uh, some of the judge's remarks
3: for many months you had stalked mary joe butafuco like a wild animal stalks its prey motivated by lust and passion You are a walking stick of dynamite
1: with the fuse lit. Yeah, he clearly didn't buy that at all. Damn. She looked shocked by his response.
3: The judge showed no sympathy for Amy. You are a tragedy and disgrace to yourself, to your family, to your friends, and to society.
0: Then the district attorney announced that they weren't going to press charges against Joey because Amy wasn't credible That's even after they found receipts from the motels confirming Amy's story, and for whatever reason, they didn't think it was worth their time. The DA's exact words were, Amy Fisher was not believable, and we don't prosecute people, because they're called low-lifes. So after the DA announced this news, Joey and his lawyer could not shut their mouths about clearing Joey's name. Even after the DA said that they weren't going to press charges against him, They dragged Mary Jo on talk shows and went on their own little press tour. She had to sit through the tapings while the host confronted Joey about his affair. Meanwhile, the DA's office started to get angry with all the bad press Joey was directing their way. They were already getting plenty of calls from people who were outraged that they'd let Joey go. Plus, they got reports that Joey was bragging to his employees about sleeping with a 16-year-old. So in April of 1993, Joey was actually charged with 16 counts of statutory rape, 12 counts of third-degree sodomy, And one count of endangering the welfare of a child. With all these charges, he was facing a lot of time, so Joey struck a deal with prosecutors. He'd plead guilty to one count of statutory rape, and he'd only have to serve six months in prison and pay a $5,000 fine. But Joey showed up to his sentencing in a Rolls Royce limo, wearing snakeskin boots and a bright floral tie. He was surrounded by supporters cheering his name, but there were plenty of people tuning in on their TVs that hated him, and they thought that he was an arrogant asshole. Joey explained to Mary Jo that he was the victim of a vicious prosecutor who was hell-bent on revenge. He said the whole thing was totally unfair, but he'd sacrificed six months of his life to make it all go away. And he really was able to convince Mary Jo that he was an innocent man. Crazy. So Joey admitted to the charges and pled guilty. And he only served four months in jail before he was released. Here's a clip of Joey's release and returning home.
4: What I had to do to end it,
3: I did my time, and I'm going home to my family. That said, Joey Buttafuoco right. flashed the thumbs up,
0: and he oh, went right. the
3: ride home,
0: a limo filled with three to four thousand letters he received while in jail. Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, he's paid his debt to
1: society, uh, and he's a free man, so he's at this point, he's able to go on with his life.
4: Yellow Kill. ribbons
0: heralded Buttafuoco's return to Massapequa, but the fanfare stopped there, with Joey ducking in a back door to escape the media. After the that only a tabloid television show had access to Joey and Mary Joe, and the couple was reportedly paid handsomely for that. It's nice. God, what a fucking pig! But this wasn't the last of Joey's legal issues. In 1995, Joey was busted for solicitation of prostitution in Los Angeles. Shocker. He pleaded no contest and was given two years probation. Again, Joey claimed that this wasn't his fault. He told Mary Joe that an undercover cop came up to his car and propositioned him. He said that he joked back. What are you worth, $30? And then they both laughed, Joey drove off, and he was suddenly surrounded by police cars. Anyway, he had to serve 75 days in jail over the incident, since he was on probation at the time. This incident brought Mary Jo to her knees and sent her into a deep depression. She couldn't take any more of her husband, humiliating her.
1: Yeah, I just feel really bad for her. I mean, manipulation yeah. over that amount of time can really, yeah you know, sway you in one way and I just, I can't
0: believe all that she And then all the public attention, too, to have to deal with. Yeah. Horrible. It must have been really hard. Mary Jo became dependent on all the pills she was taking for her injuries as a result of all this. The family actually ended up moving to L.A., and they didn't really adjust. Their son started smoking weed and drinking a lot to numb the pain, and Mary Jo herself was numb from the pills. She sent her son to a private school, and she checked herself into rehab, and things started to get better when Mary Jo got clean. Eventually, she and Amy's mother, Roseanne, met, and soon after Amy went to prison, her parents had gotten a divorce. Roseanne explained that her husband was abusive and she wanted to leave him, but when Amy was two years old, her family told her not to. That's because they didn't approve of Elliot from the start. They told Roseanne not to marry him, but she was young and she did it anyway. When things got bad and he started abusing her, she turned to her parents for help, but they wouldn't let her come home, so she had no place to go except back to her abusive husband. The visit was very healing for both women, and a few weeks later, Mary Jo got an apology letter from Amy. She'd finally heard the words, I'm sorry, after all those difficult years. Soon after that, Amy's lawyer filed a brief asking for a new trial. It was on the grounds that Amy and her previous attorney, Eric Nyberg, had a personal relationship that was a conflict of interest. All of those love notes Eric had sent her were shown as proof. Prison had definitely taken a toll on Amy. She didn't have many friends, and she requested a transfer after reporting that she was being raped by multiple corrections officers. At one point, Amy was able to have her mom sneak out a pair of her underwear while she was on a visit, and Roseanne was able to get the underwear tested, and it was positive for semen. Still, Amy's transfer request was denied by the prison, but in 1999, after spending seven years in prison, Amy was released on parole. Mary Jo actually spoke at her parole hearing and asked the judge to release her, and Amy tearfully admitted that the shooting was all her idea. Right before Amy was set to be released, reporters confronted Mary Jo with rumors that Joey was seeing another woman named Ivanka. By that point, Mary Jo had more or less resigned herself to her fate. But about six months later, she separated from Joey and he started officially dating his mistress. Mary Jo enrolled in a community college, got her own apartment, began dating again, and really started to reclaim her life. In 2003, Mary Jo and Joey officially got a divorce. By that point, she realized that her husband had had an affair with Amy. Not only that, but she realized Joey is just a complete sociopath. She was so much happier in her new life without him. It was around that time in 2003 that Joey was busted for an auto insurance fraud scheme, and he was banned from ever working in the auto repair industry again.
1: After she was shot, Mary Jo had an issue where she wasn't able to lift up both sides of her mouth, so she really couldn't do a complete smile. So eventually she did get facial reconstruction surgery and a surgery that improved her hearing. So now she could smile with both sides of her mouth. And that was obviously huge for her confidence. In 2009, she published a book called Getting It Through My Thick Skull. Why I stayed, what I learned, and what millions of people involved with sociopaths need to know. Today, she lives a quiet and happy life in California's San Fernando Valley. Mary Jo is also now a grandmother, and she loves it. She no longer speaks to Joey. As for Joey, he ended up marrying Ivanka in 2005 and he tried his hand at acting.
0: Oh, God.
1: Yeah. Of course he did, right? But he wasn't able to make much of a career out of that. He had a few minor bit roles and some reality TV appearances, but that's pretty much it.
0: He went on Judge Janine, apparently. Nice. Said some super classy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: This Amy Fisher going in. Shooting Mary Jo. My wife at the time, yes. Your wife at the time, very tragic, very tragic. You ended up, I think, going to prison yourself. I did. For statutory rape. No, I went to county jail. I was in Nassau County Jail. Yeah, so it was a county time. I had a plea out to something, and that they just wanted to
0: dirty my life, so that's what they did. Mm, Joe.
3: Joey. (laughs) No, 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 no. You started a string of events that caused enormous damage along the way to a lot of people. You paid your price. I'm not saying you didn't. Thank you, Your Honor. Yes, you paid your price. But you're lucky the sexual predator law wasn't in effect. Isn't
0: that amazing? Yeah, because
3: you'd be a sexual predator. Isn't that amazing?
2: If I was guilty of
0: anything from back then, I'd still be in jail today. It was 129 days just to get me out of the public eye.
2: And then he goes into acting after? Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Isn't that amazing? (laughs)
1: Jesus Christ. Fucking insane. This dude should have served so much more time. It's honestly maddening. He didn't learn what an damn asshole.
0: Thing. He 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 clearly doesn't think he did anything wrong.
1: No, he basically just admitted to it. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Isn't it great that the sexual predatory act wasn't? What the fuck, dude? He is the
0: worst. He should be a sex offender,
1: hundred percent. So his relationships with his kids have also been pretty badly damaged, as you can imagine. They keep him at a pretty strict distance. That is, when they're even on speaking terms with him at all. And both of the kids struggled with the whole Long Island Lolita affair throughout their lives. At some points, they both had to deal with mental health and substance abuse issues, but they are doing a lot better now as far as we know. Their son, Paul, is married and has a daughter. He changed his name and owns an auto body shop of his own. Mary Jo lives with her daughter, Jessie, who went on to get a master's in psychology from Pepperdine University. Today, Jessie actually has her own advice podcast called Live Your Life Queen, which is K-W-E-E-N. After Amy was released in 1999, she briefly became a writer. She co-wrote two memoirs called Amy Fisher, My Story, and If I Knew Then. She also started co-writing her own newspaper column. She's also done plenty of media appearances. She even met with Joey. And in 2007, the two did a staged publicity stunt where they pretended to get back together, and it looked like they were hoping it would pan out into a reality show deal. But clearly, that didn't happen. The public just didn't care anymore. In 2003, she married a man named Louis Belera, who was a former NYPD cop. Both Amy and her husband, and Joey and his wife, went on to leak their own sex tapes. However, Amy claims that the sex tapes were released without her permission. Amy worked in the adult industry since the release of the sex tape. Here's a clip of her talking about it
4: period. I want to make it crystal clear today that I did not, I repeat, did not sell a sex tape of myself for money. Okay. My husband and I were in the process of divorce. Things were getting very nasty between us. And to hurt and to humiliate me, he sold our entire video collection to a porn distributor. These were tapes that were private that were made during the course of a marriage. This was done last year. Since then, we have reconciled and separated several times. As with any marriage, we're trying our best and hoping that things work out. I love my husband very much, and I'd like to save my marriage.
1: She had three kids with Lewis, and they divorced in 2015. She has since called him a scumbag who pressured her into entering the adult industry. They lived in Florida for many years, but Amy's kids had a rough time living there. Other parents were worried about letting their kids hang out with them and catching the, quote, Amy Fisher gene. So she and her kids ended up moving back to Long Island after the divorce, and Amy legally changed her name. These days, Amy says she wants to keep a low profile out of the public eye so she can move on with her life. So that's all as far as we know.
2: I have a question for you, too. Yeah. If, do you think that if This story happened, but instead of Amy being Amy, it was a young male. Do you think that the press and overall case would have had a different outcome? And do you think the press would have treated that person differently instead of, you know, kind of sexualizing her?
1: I can say, in my opinion, for sure, the media would have played out completely differently if this was a male. Um, And would people have even been interested if Mm. it was a male? Would they have Mm. been able to make it into such a spectacle? Probably not. As far as the case, I don't know. Depends on the judge and all of that. Would Um, people
0: have even been interested in this if Amy wasn't attractive, with quotes around it, like attractive or like this beautiful young thing like they referenced her being? Yeah. Like uh, if she was just like. Teen hooker. Right, right. right. If she wasn't sexualized and become sort of this Mm -hmm. like teen sex like i don't even know what what you yeah if she was
1: like in someone that was their age who had an affair with this have even gotten any of the publicity
0: i mean or just in like the public's eye of like what beauty is if they it didn't fit that i mean she ended up being an adult star and whatever like if it wasn't somebody like that if it was just somebody like
1: (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) not i don't know yeah but i mean there's still cases with people who aren't like sexualized in that way that people are still interested in so yeah. i mean it's like hard to really say
0: i feel like a lot of this got blown up just because of the time period the mm-hmm. 90s and this is like long island and this is this just yeah. kind of seems like gossipy the kind of gossipy drama type stuff that people in long island at the time liked or just thought were interesting and got because to me we like looking at it, i'm like i don't really see what the big media frenzy is all about like i get this was like it's a big deal in the sense that an older man is preying on a younger woman, but like,
1: I think it's also that this happens Joe all the time by her across husband, the
0: whole, the whole country and why this specific but situation. But how
1: often do, you know, wives or partners actually stand by their spouse after they were shot or had something. So, I mean, I think that intrigued people too. Like, wow, she really doesn't think her husband had anything, did anything wrong here.
0: Yeah. And I guess they, it's not like they, everybody in the public had all the like facts or the background yeah. on Joey. Like, and
1: they're all such characters too. I think that's kind of part of it. Like, especially Joey, you know, walking around in his little outfits and, you know, Amy making the statement about the Ferrari. I mean, these are little things that people grab onto in cases. Well, like and this. media
0: uses them for headlines. I mean, right. it's easy to make headlines from people like this. Yeah. Where they're just. It's like they're lobbing softballs for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Amy said this and then mm-hmm. put her face out there. And, and I think plus it's a
1: small, it's like a tight knit kind of vibe in Long Island. It's like a real community sense. So I think when something happens there, yeah, kind of, especially with something with some juicy gossip in it, people are going to hook on. Yeah, I'm not surprised that it the media was so intense around or that people had such an interest and they were able to really milk it.
0: Yeah, it was crazy that Joey almost like straight up got away with all this.
1: I know. And he he pretty much did. I mean, come on. Yes. He barely did any Six time. Months, For what sentence. he Yeah. And he was probably way more involved than we even know. There's probably so much we don't know. I don't know. I think he should have done more time. Piece of shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely both have their roles and responsibilities in all of this. I think mm-hmm. Joey yeah. definitely like egged her on and fed fed her sort of what she was looking for and so mm-hmm. she continued. I mean he mm-hmm. should have never even went there with her. Yeah. No. Sexually or anything no. like that just based on. Should
1: have had no involvement with her. None of that would have that ever happened.
0: legal and she's a minor. Yeah. But I mean ultimately they both made the decisions that they did and ultimately Amy said that it was her idea to carry mm-hmm. out this plan to take out his wife.
1: Well luckily she wasn't successful and yeah. I'm glad that Mary Jo has moved on and seems to be happy in her life after going through so much. I really feel bad for her. I mean, I'm sure people have just ripped her to shreds.
0: Yeah, it seems like throughout Joey's life he hasn't learned jack shit. No. He just continues making the same mistakes.
1: And he wants to be a big star.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, doesn't look like that's happening for him, so.
1: Don't think that's gonna happen. He's gonna just. His ship has sailed. Yep. But anyway, we wanna know what you guys think, so leave us a comment, let us know, and that's gonna be it. That's it for you. It for me for a while. I'm yeah, sad. say goodbye. This is my last podcast for a while. It's going to be weird. I don't think I've gone, you know, any longer than maybe a no. month or a couple weeks off of podcasting, no. so it'll be different. I yeah. will miss you people very much, Well, but you're going to do great. You'll be bad.
0: Yeah. yeah. It'll be a little while. It'll be just me and Janelle, but then eventually you'll, you will return.
1: I will, with a baby.
0: With a baby. <laughs> so we're very excited, but yeah, let us know your thoughts on this case and- I will see you next week with another episode of mile higher till then. Keep taking your mind a
1: mile higher.